like on Saturday, I, I'm looking at the forecast. I'm like, come on, God, give us what you gave us last week with Fall Fest, right? Give us that beautiful 75, unseasonably kind of scary weather. Give us that, God. And I look at the forecast, and I see that it's going to rain. And I'm like, what's well, only 15% from this time to this time? And thank God, for the most part, it didn't. But when it did, whoa. We bought ponchos, too, for as many as we could. We, like, went and, and just bought all the ponchos we could from the nearby stores. And uh, people didn't grab them until the rain fell. And then suddenly all our people ran into the building to try to find a poncho. And we're throwing garbage bags on and just trying to do what we can do. But I'm so grateful that didn't stop us. And it didn't stop the cars. They're like, they just rolled their windows up. They didn't care. Uh, but it didn't stop us from doing what God called us to do. And again, I'm looking at the forecast and I'm wondering, man, are people going to show up today? It's a really easy reason or excuse to not show up, but you did. And it, and it reminds me of what I want to talk about today specifically. We are officially all full steam into the holiday season. Now, there are some heathens among you that uh, just completely skip over my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. You're already playing Christmas music. You think it's Christmas already. Uh, let me just real quick, show of hands if you are like 1201 November 1st is Christmas season for you. Raise your hand. Thank God. Not too many. How many of you are like, uh-uh, Thanksgiving is a priority. Thanksgiving gets love. Yeah, all my eaters in the house. You guys know. So, but regardless of which holiday, we're in the holiday season. And one of the things you'll notice statistically is depression tends to rise during the holiday season. Uh, now, that might be because, like today, you know, it's fall back and we lose or we gain an hour. But uh, I was just reading the other day, we're not going to see the sunset after 5 o'clock until March. So, like, 85 days. So, you get out of work and it's already nighttime. That might be contributing to some of those depressing feelings. But I think another part of why people feel kind of a certain way during the holiday season is because there's such a, a reminder during this season of community, of family, of coming together, that if you don't feel like you have that, it's a really sad reminder. If you don't feel like you have people, like you don't have a place to eat at Thanksgiving or you don't have a family to go to on Christmas or maybe you have those things but they're restrained and, and it's been reminded some of the issues that you have, it can start to cause some stress, some mental health problems, some depression. And I think that's natural because the reality of our situation is that no one was ever meant to be alone. We were not built or created to be by ourselves. We were created for community. We were created to be among each other. Now, I know there's those of you in the room who are self-proclaimed introverts. Like, no, -uh, pastor, leave me alone. I, I don't mind if no one ever talks to me. But the truth of the matter is the worst thing the penal uh, system can do is not put you on death row. It's put you in isolation. It's the worst thing they can do. As a matter of fact, there's laws against how long you can be kept in isolation because it'll literally drive you insane. We're not built to be alone. We are made for community. And I think some of us, especially now that we've come out of the pandemic and, and we've kind of started to see the light, some of us have really been scarred from being so isolated. Some of us have been wounded and some of us have even acclimated to the idea that you don't need anybody. 
This is why I loved what we did this past week because it was a reminder of how much not only do we need each other, but we can value each other. Coming together and working with one another was so cool. Watching strangers become friends, watching friends become family as we came together and we sorted some groceries and we got wet in the rain. The the funniest part for me is when the rain fell, all you heard was, yeah! And I was like, I don't know if that's the response, but we had no other idea. Like, let's just cheer. This is funny. Um, and so this is the beauty of us coming together because we've come together to be one, to be a community. The Bible and the book of Ecclesiastes, the author, Solomon here, gives us some insight into this. Uh, Ecclesiastes is kind of a bummer book. Like, if you, if you want to see the most emo book in the Bible, read Ecclesiastes. And so he's just kind of like, everything stinks, nothing's good, everything's worthless, what's the point? Some of you have relatives like this, and some of you are like this. And Ecclesiastes, I want you to notice what he talks about in chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through 12, but notice the first half, and then it emphasizes the need that we're talking about. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. Meaning, this is something I've noticed that there's really no point to it, okay? Uh, As he goes on to say, this is the case of a man, uh, sorry, this is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Let me pause right there. I love what Solomon's bringing up because what he's saying is, hey, listen, under the sun, meaning on earth in this time, not after we die when we have our heavenly experience, but in this world, he goes, what's the point of working your head off of going to school nonstop and getting ahead in your career and making all this money and getting all these things if you have no one in your life to share that with? What's the point of having the biggest house when it's empty? Well, what's the point of gaining all this wealth and you have no one to share it with? You have no one to commute. You have no brother. You have no children. You have no friends. You have no one in your life to have that community with. What he's saying is, you worked your tail off your whole life to gain all this, what does it leave you? Nothing. It's meaningless. It's worthless. Another scripture says, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet you forfeit your own soul? Right? What good is it if if you've worked so tirelessly to get ahead in life and to gain all these things and and no one ever saw you because you were always studying or you were always working, you were always hustling. And now what do you have? You have a lot of stuff, but no people. And what good is stuff without people? Solomon, who had more wealth than anybody, realizes this is meaningless without people. Then he goes on to say, kind of an anecdote to that, two people are better off than one, right? Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? I mean, I, can, I'm, I radiate pretty badly. <laughs> A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
There's a few thoughts I have here that I think it's important that the scriptures highlight for you and I to understand when it comes to relationships because you get something out of being in relationships. There's so much that God has built into relationships and that can be family, that can be friends, that can be your children, your parents, relationships in general, healthy relationships, you get something out of it. Better off than being by yourself. And again, a lot of us are like, man, you don't understand, Pastor. I've had so much drama in my life with people, with friends. Like this world would be great if it weren't for other people. And I get that you're thinking that, but you gotta understand, someone's thinking that about you too, (laughs) So this world would be great if you weren't around, all right? And so the reality is we do live among people and yet we have been built for that. And we get things when we're in relationships. And if you're taking notes, the first thing is this, relationships help you get ahead. Relationships help you get ahead in life. He said two people are better than one, why? Because they can help each other succeed. Productivity, moving forward in life advancing in life. You ever heard the saying, uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Uh, where are my barbers? Where are my barbers in the house? I got barbers here today. Barbers, is Leroy here, Jesse here? I got Leroy, I think Jesse was here earlier. Listen, there's two people you need to know in your life, a pastor and a barber. If you know those two people, you know the whole world. If you know a pastor and a barber, throw in a mechanic, now you got the whole universe, okay? <laughs> like these are people you need to know. Why? Because they know people. Right, and they will help you get ahead. Matter of fact, I was just thinking about it. Like I remember, I was sitting in the barber chair one time. I was like, "Bro, I need a new car." He's like, "Papa, I got your car." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Bro, don't even trip. I got you." Sure enough, that's the car I've been driving for the last like seven years, right? Because we all know each other. Because when we come together, I remember I was in the car the other day with Judd. Where's Judd at? I was in the car with Judd. Judd is in his final year of computer science degree, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like. Yes, sir. I said, hey, Judd, so have you done any internships? Like, what are you thinking about? He goes, no, I haven't haven't really gotten anything yet. And I said, hold on, let me make a few calls. Within what, like five minutes, I had eight applications for Judd for internships. And I was like, Judd, did you apply for all those? I goes, yeah, it was funny. We're having the conversation. He said, which one do you think I should apply for? I was like, which one? All of them. Why are you saying no? Let them say no. Like, you apply to everything. You know, you ever notice, I'm not, this is a tangent. There are people at your job that you're like, I don't know how they got that job. They applied. That's like 90% of the battle, okay? And so my point is like, I love that. Like, I'm here to put that together. I'm here to help people out. I love the opportunity to help people get ahead. There is a joy of knowing when we can connect people and put two people in the room together and say, hey, let's encourage each other. Let's move in each other. Let's push this forward in what God is calling us to do. Get ahead. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That's what the body of Christ is about. That's why we need relationships. We could not have accomplished what we've done this week with a semi-truck full of food if people didn't come together, 
right? Two people are better than one. 150 are better than two. Like, we came together, and in record time, I mean, we knocked it out. It was funny. I was talking to the maintenance guys on Wednesday. I said, you were a little nervous. This place was going to be filthy, right? They're like, we were. But then when you told everyone to just pick up the little things on the ground, that knocked out about an hour's worth of work. I go, yes, why? Because we've come together. Because when we come together, we're able to get ahead. That's why we were able to knock out that inventory within an hour instead of two. Not because we didn't have enough food, but because we got rid of it in enough time. The organization, the way we came together, the fellowship that came along with that, it was such a beautiful thing to see us accomplish something because we were able to accomplish it together. Some of you are struggling to get ahead because you're struggling to do it by yourself. You don't want anybody's help. You don't accept anybody's help. Your pride is preventing you from even asking for help. Some of you, your marriages are falling apart and God's providing godly people in your life, counselors and, and people that want to come along and help, but you're too prideful to admit, I, just, I need somebody else to talk to. I need other people to help guide us along. Some of you are struggling with your children and, and again, you're too prideful to admit, man, I'm screwing up as a parent. I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of playing it as I go, and I need help. I need other people, somebody who's dealt with this before, somebody who's gone through it. I just, I need support. Some of you are, are hurting even food-wise. We were distributing food, and listen, there were people here who needed food. And I, I hope not, but I wonder if maybe even there was somebody there who, in their mind, is saying, I wish I could take this food, but it's too prideful to ask and say they needed it. Like, we have not been built to be by ourselves. We have been built to be together. And if we're going to be able to get ahead in life, it's not by trampling one another, but it's by pushing one another forward. God has called us to help each other. Relationships help you get ahead. And sometimes when in that process of getting ahead you fall, just remember that relationships help you get up. It says two people are better than one. If one falls... Another can reach out and help them. How sad is it when a person falls and has nobody to lift them up? Right? Relationships are for the help that we need, and we all need help. There is nobody in this room who's never needed help from somebody. Everyone in this room, beginning with me, we all need help. From time to time, you just do. You just need somebody to give you a hand. You just need somebody to, to pick you up. There's moments where we're struggling, where we're, where we're broken, where we're just in a bad situation and we've fallen down and we need somebody to lift up their hand and just help us up. It's what I loved about sports growing up is if you fell down, it was automatic that your teammates, you were trained to go and pick him up, pick her up. And you'd get chewed out by the coach if you didn't do it. If your teammate's on the ground and you're just watching them get back up, your coach is going to chew you out. Why? That's your teammate. You put your hand out there and you pick them up. Now, if it's somebody else's team, I'll walk over them. But my teammate, <laughs> I'm picking them up. Right? There, there is, it's a beautiful gesture. It's a, a nonverbal indicator. I'm here for you. And when I fall, I know you'll be there for me. Picking each other up. Listen, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3 says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Let me pause right there because this is important. Gently and humbly. Humbly in the understanding that you've fallen before too, so don't throw it in their face. And gently in the understanding that they're wounded right now. 
right? Like if I broke my arm, you ever, again, going back to the sports thing, yes, we're there to help somebody up. But every now and then when that person was like really injured, like a broken knee, and you're trying to lift them up, they're like, no, 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 leave me. <laughs> like you're hurting me more than you're helping me. So when a believer falls, when a believer struggles, and hear my heart because this is so important, right? We're the only military on earth that shoot our wounded. We're the only military on earth that shoot our wounded. When someone among the flock falls into sin, it is not your opportunity to bury them. It's your opportunity to lift them humbly and gently in the same way that one day you might be on the ground. And we would hope that they would come at you with the same love. It says, and be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. We do have to have that caution that we're not so eager to help them that we hurt ourselves in the process. But we share each other's burdens. And in this way, we obey the law of Christ. If you think, I love, this is one of my favorite verses. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I'm sorry. You think you're too good to help somebody? You ain't that good. You're not that important. Listen, we as the church, we should be a place where it's safe to fail, not where we have to hide our failures out of fear of being kicked out and alienated. We're all gonna mess up. And that doesn't mean we condone sin. I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is we don't condemn people who sin either because the Bible says that there's no longer condemnation in Christ Jesus. And so why are we condemning if he does not? Our job isn't to condemn, convict, or any of that stuff. We're not the judge. Our job is simply to lift up, to love, and to carry people through. And when you have good relationships in your life, they help you when you fall. They're there for you with a kind word or a close ear. They're there for you with a gentle reminder or a passionate hug. They're there for you to provide a meal and to make sure that everything's all right. They're there for you to get you up. And I, I understand this. When you have been helped up, it's a lot easier to recognize when others have fallen down. Relationships not only help you get ahead and not only help you get up, but it's through relationships that you get close. Relationships help you get close. How can one keep himself warm? They will keep each other warm. It's in relationships that we find the comfort of life, that we find that, that community. It's, again, I think it's why we like the holiday season so much is because we take time away from everything else we're doing to be together, right? To just be together. I'll be honest, this is why I love Thanksgiving the most because, yes, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we all get to be together, but I don't got to buy you nothing on Thanksgiving, I ain't got to worry about the stress of going to the store and decorating and all this crazy stuff. I just got to sit down, eat, watch football, clean up. I'm good with that. We'll do that all day long. Relationships, though, when we come together, we just sit with each other. We just spend time with each other. We get to know each other. There's this amazing opportunity to get close. And the crazy thing is I've met so many friends through my friends. And it's amazing how close you can get to somebody when you find some of these commonalities. I often joke, uh, th this past year, I, I became great friends with another pastor who, who often travels. John, if you're watching, Zick, I love you, buddy. Um, and it's funny because we've only hung out like eight times. 
But it just so happened that for three weeks in a row, three weekends in a row, we were at the same event in different parts of the country. So we were together in Illinois, then we were together in Missouri, then we were together in Pittsburgh. I'm like, you're just like my ministry wife now. Like, we're just gonna, like, we started, we were together in Mexico. Like, literally, we were just together in all these different spots, ministering at the same place. And because we were just spending so much time with each other, we got close. So much so that now when we travel places and we know we're going to be there at the same time, we just stay in the same hotel room. There's accountability. There's cheap. You know, it's like, hey, let's just, we'll split the cost. You pay for the car. I'll pay for the hotel. All right, no problem. We'll all get together. Fun fact, he's got a little bit of OCD. I'll just tell the story because he's not here. He's got a little bit of OCD. Like he's like, he's really worked hard to control it, like legit OCD. And I bring a number of different hats because I don't want to comb my hair when I'm on the road. And so I just had my hats kind of laying around. I woke up in the morning and I had three hats that were all organized and angled just so perfectly and measured apart. And I looked at him, I go, did you organize my hats? (laughs) He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, bro, did you wake up like at five in the morning and organize my hats? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Listen, when you get close to someone, it's so important. Because when you're close to someone, like really close, sometimes words aren't even necessary to comfort. It's just, I just need you to be there. In the Bible, there's a story about a man named Job. And in this story, Job loses everything. I mean everything, his wealth, his family, his health. Like he's, he loses everything. Job is the greatest example we have on this earth of being down and out and just completely in destitute. Job's in a messed up situation. And we read in the story of Job that he's got some friends. Now his friends later on, they give him some, some bogus advice and they, they make some mistakes, but they nail it in Job chapter two, verse 11 through 13. Listen to what the scriptures say. It says, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. The friends got together and said, hey, our friend is hurting, we need to go. Their names were Eliphaz of the, the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, Zophar the Namadith, you know, you can read it. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust in the air over their heads to show their grief. Here's my favorite. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. You know, sometimes the best thing you can say is nothing. Just sit with me. There's, when tragedy hits, when tragedy at this level hits, there's nothing you can say. Matter of fact, if you try to say something, you're probably going to make it worse. Just shut up and be with me. Just sit down and remind me that you're there. See, some of us, when tragedy hits, will you have anybody to sit with you? To just be with you. I'll be honest with you. This is hard for me because I'm a talker. And like hospital visits and things. I like, I, I'll go. But I'm just like, everything in me wants to crack a joke. Just because it's awkward. And, and I know I'm not supposed to. Funerals, I'm just like, don't make jokes. Like you're not supposed to. But then when I sit with the person, I realize I really don't have to say anything. I just let my superpower kick in. I give them a hug and I just sit there. Relationships are meant for those moments when life feels cold and you need something to warm you up. Not only do relationships warm you up and help you get ahead and 
relationships help you get covered, right? That covering, that, that have your back type of relationship. It says one man can't withstand on his own, but two can stand back to back. You have safety and security through your relationships, through that understanding of, of camaraderie. And it's like anything else, right? Like uh, I remember growing up, my sisters were like this. I, I wasn't as much, but some of y'all will get it. You ever had it, especially growing up, where you never wanted to go to the basement by yourself? Anybody have that? Where, hey, go to the basement with me. Like, you live there your whole, ain't nothing in the basement. But in your mind, as soon as you're going up their stairs, something's grabbing your ankle. Something's trying to snatch you. So like when my wife and I first got married and she moved into my house, what she didn't know was there was an entrance to the basement from the front and from the back area. So I had asked her to go to the basement and get something. I'm like, hey, do me a favor. Would you go to the basement and get this? She went through the back, the only entrance she knew. While she was going, I ran through the front, went downstairs, started making noises and like throwing things. I did that for like months before she realized there was an entrance in the front. Right? Because there's this like irrational fear. There's this worry that, that something's going to be. And so we want somebody to come with us. We want people to come near us. We want covering. Hey, I don't want to go by myself. Ladies, I get it. Going to the bathroom by yourself? Nah. Sometimes I'm like, hey, Pastor Izzy, go to the bathroom with me. I don't want to go by myself. I just, I just need somebody to cover my back. I just need somebody to be with me. Now, you, you laugh, but here's the truth. Right? I'll be very transparent with you. I get to travel a lot by the grace of God. I'm very grateful. My boy Sal often travels with me. Next weekend, we're going to be in Missouri doing a youth convention together. Everybody knows Sal where I go. As a matter of fact, people like Sal more than me now when I go places. And now what Sal knows and AJ and Gio and some of the guys that have gone with me is don't let Pastor Joey go to the bathroom by himself. Now, it's not because I have consonant issues or somebody to give me toilet paper. Although, I mean, if it happens, it's great. Why does he go to the bathroom with you? Because I've told him, hey, listen, we're at events with a lot of children running around. If I'm in the bathroom and a child comes in and he accuses me of anything or he says anything, I can get in some serious issues. And I don't know these people. I don't know what somebody might say. So I just need you to make sure you cover my back just to make sure there's somebody with me. Why do I like to share hotel rooms with guys like John Zick and guys like Sal? Because there's accountability there. In case something happens, in case I'm tempted to do something, I don't trust myself, I trust God. And so I try to bring things along to cover me so that I don't get into situations that I'm gonna get in trouble with. And so even, there are moments, there was one time I remember, Sal was on the other side of the room and I had to use the bathroom. So I got up and by the time I was at the stall, I turned around and Sal was just standing there. And I'm like, Sal, do you got to go? He's like, I'm all right. <laughs> all right, bro. <laughs> and again, that might seem weird to some, but it's so comforting to me because I know someone has my back, my literal back, <laughs> but someone has my back. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born and help to help in time of need. There's a story in the Bible <laughs> of... Um, Saul, the king of Israel, the first king of Israel. Saul has a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan is the crown prince. He's the one that most people are assuming will be next in line to be king. But then a young man around the same age as Jonathan named David comes on the scene. And this is the same David that defeats Goliath and starts conquering a bunch of things and gets a big name for himself. And Saul becomes insecure about David and worried about David. And rightfully so, because of Saul's wickedness, eventually God crowns David and anoints him to be the next king anyway. 
But in the moment of this, there's this time where Saul and David are talking and Jonathan overhears David and instantly his soul is tied to him. Listen, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. What Jonathan was doing was he was taking off his royalty and he was handing it to David saying, I recognize who you are. Think about the humility that has to come with that. Now, a lot of people have grossly misinterpreted David and Jonathan's relationship as a homosexual relationship. They've, they've tried to read into it more than what it really is because I think this world has a hard time in understanding that you can love another man platonically and godly and it not be sexual. This is a wonderful example of God knitting souls together. Why? Because Jonathan heard David's heart for God and he said, that's my guy. We have the same heart. And because I love the Lord, I have no problem removing this earthly title and handing it to the one who rightfully has been given it. Right? A friend is loyal, but a brother is born in time for help. I love when we have opportunities to grow in our relationship, when friends become family. Friends become family, not just overnight, but over situations, over opportunities, where they have chances to step up and help you and guide you and be there for you. Because, you know, let's be honest, especially those of us from Chicago, we're always weary of people. I try to do that. Like, I love everyone, I just don't trust anyone. Because I just know, like, you know, stuff happens, man. You know, you might hug me and stab me in the back while you're doing it. Like, I get it. But when you start building a relationship with someone, and then you realize not only are they not stabbing in your back, but they have your back. They're covering you. They're helping you. They're guiding you. They're there for you. There's something special that comes from that. Worship team, if you can help me out. I'm trying to help us understand that it is not good for you to be on an island by yourself. I don't care how introverted you think you are. That's not a cop-out. It's not an excuse for you to isolate yourself from everybody. We have been created, built for community. Now listen, I'm not saying you gotta be in crowds 24-7. That even exhausts me. I, there are sometimes, like, I even think, I forgot, I think it was like one of the Black Hawk parades. I was halfway there. I saw the crowd. I got back on the train and went home. I'm like, I ain't even gonna deal with that. Like, it's just too much. So I'm not saying you got to be the extreme of what you are. But what I am saying is stop making the excuse that you don't need anybody. Stop convincing yourself that you're okay alone because you've been hurt, because you've been bruised, that you think it's a lot easier just to close yourself off than to try to open yourself up again. Man, people are going to hurt you. It's just the reality of life. Sometimes intentionally, most times unintentionally, people are going to hurt you. But I've had far more people help me than hurt me. I've had far more people be there for me, have my back, cover me. And I think part of that is because of how I've decided to make friends and who I've decided to allow close to me. 
Notice in that scripture, he talks about two are better than one, two are better than one, two are better than one. But then at the end, he says this, three are even better. See, all the things we talked about, a covering and warmth and uh, closeness and comfort and uh, getting ahead, all those things we talked about, you can find that in any relationship on this earth with believers or unbelievers. You can find that kind of community. And there are so many organizations that are trying desperately to create those kind of communities. There are organizations that have tried to copy the church model and just leave God out because they recognize internally and in their soul, we need this, we need each other. And so you got softball leagues and you got after school programs and you got community organizations and you got political affiliations. You got all these types of communities that are trying to do the same thing. And the truth is they accomplish a lot of that because listen, in the gangs, they have each other's back. In, in support groups, in AA meetings, there's warmth and closeness. Like, you can find all these things on earth. But when he says a triple braided cord is not easily broken, that third strand is God. Two are better than one. Yes, that's true. But three is even better. When it's you, me, and the Holy Spirit, now that's a bond that's not easily broken. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, there are friends, quote unquote, who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. We call each other brother and sister within the family of God. And we do so because we all have the same father in God. Because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my savior, I have been adopted as his son. And that means all others who have been adopted into that family are now my family. And I love the family of God. It's amazing to me how often I've traveled the world, met people and instantly had these incredible bonds with someone that I don't really know, but because what we have in common is so strong, I instantly have a love for them because what has brought us together is so much greater than anything that could ever divide us up. We have been built for community, but the first community we were built for is community with God. Why do you think in Genesis, when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, look at Adam before Eve is created, and they say, it's not good for man to be alone. Well, man wasn't alone, was he? The Bible says that God walked in the cool of the day with him. So he wasn't alone. He had God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God's right there. Why is he saying he's alone? Because the triple braided cord is not easily broken. God understands that we need people that are like us. Not instead of God, but in addition to that. So God made a helper suitable for him. Why a helper? Someone to help Adam do what God created him to do. Not a wife, by the way, but a companion. So I don't want you to misunderstand because I think some of us in this room, those of you who are single, your singleness is not your curse. And oftentimes it's your blessing. Because you can do what you want to do when you want to do it as long as the Lord leads you. You don't got to ask nobody. You got to check in with nobody. My wife constantly tracks my phone all the time. I'm like, I'm going to disable that feature. She said, you better not. I was like, 
I'll be traveling. And she's like, ew, why are you eating there? I'm like, would you just get off my phone? <laughs> when I was single, I didn't have to check with nobody. I did what I wanted to do. <laughs> There's a beautiful benefit of being single, so I don't want you to misunderstand that. But we're all built for relationship. It starts with the relationship with God. So here's what I'd like to do. Do me a favor. Would you just bow your head for a moment and close your eyes? I want to give you an opportunity tonight to be into the family of God. See, relationships, they'll help you get ahead. They'll help you get close. They'll help you get covering. They'll they'll help you do all those things. They'll help you get up. They'll help you get over. But godly relationships will help you get through things. All those other things will help you get around stuff. Godly relationships will help you get through. But godly relationships are bound together when we're brought together with the one strand in the middle, which is God. That's what ties us together. See, every other relationship is limited by typically proximity. Your friends in high school were only your friends in high school because you went to the same high school. Your friends at work are only your friends at work because you work with them. But when you get a new job, you get new friends. When you go to a new school, you get new friends. But the family of God you'll have, not just here, but in eternity after. So with every head bow, every eye closed, this is just for a private moment for you, sir, ma'am. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, I need you to understand, that means you're not a part of that family. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin so that you could be considered his son and daughter, so that you could have a relationship with the living God. The greatest relationship you'll ever have. As I was praying, I got the sense that there are a number of you in this room who are really struggling with being alone. You're really struggling with feeling like nobody's there, feeling isolated. And I need you to understand, there is no human being on this earth that can fulfill that need. We can supplement it, but we can't fulfill it. Only God can fulfill it. And as God fulfills that empty void, he'll bring along people to help supplement the other things. So I wanted to give you this opportunity because outside of it, you're always going to be missing something. So with every head bow, every eye closed, this is between you and God. Sir, ma'am, if you're here and you've never given your life to the Lord, or, or maybe you have, but you've really drifted from where you need to be and you want to make sure that your relationship with God is where it needs to be, would you just lift up your hand and I'm going to pray for you this morning. Thank you, brother. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? So that's me, pastor. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Give me one more moment. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see every hand that's raised.